Good evening. I'm glad you decided to join me tonight. I'm Lonane. We're at the end of the day, and it's time to get that needed rest. But sometimes that rest doesn't come easy. We lie back and start thinking of our day, tomorrow, things done, things needed to be done, and it robs us of the peace and calm we need to sleep. So what can we do? I'll tell you what I do. I return to the river. The river is my peaceful place, my happy place, and tonight I'll take you there with me. But first, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you with grateful hearts, grateful that you have brought us to this time of day when we can rest. We ask that you calm our hearts and minds right now so we can sleep, and that you would use this sleep to renew us and prepare us for the day ahead. May we never forget that rest came from you on the seventh day of creation, and that it is a holy gift from you. Refresh our bodies and calm our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Life happens, doesn't it? Some days seem like you're trying to stuff 10 pounds of sand in a 5-pound bag, and one day spills over into the next. I think we all feel that sometimes. I know I do. And when I do, I return to the river. Let me tell you about it. First, make sure you're comfortable and ready to fall asleep. I promise, I won't be upset if you do. I started canoeing at a camp in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, when I was about 10 years old. Even though it can be hard work, I fell in love with it right away. Every summer, I would return and take the canoe class. Eventually, I became a Red Cross certified canoe instructor and took over some of the teaching for the program, all before I could drive a car. While I was still in high school, my church's youth group took a week-long canoe trip on the Nebuchadnezzar River in western Wisconsin. Now, I've been on day trips before, but this was something completely different. We packed our sleeping gear, our clothes, and our food, and about 26 of us set out to enjoy nature. I can't speak for everyone. That week was life-changing for me. It showed me how much I love the beauty of God's creation, and it taught me how hard work could result in something wonderful. In my case, I built up some muscle. Still, as good as that trip was, it was a trip that I took a couple of years later with three of my closest friends that I'll never forget, and the one I come back to when I need to calm down my spirit. Brian, Ross, and Jim who we always called Jimmer, borrowed a couple of canoes, rented a trailer, and drove back out to Nebuchadnezzar for a six-day adventure before we all went off to different colleges. Because I had taught canoe classes earlier, it was my job to run them through the basics. I taught them about the different parts of the canoe in some common terms, bow and stern, starboard and port. 
I told them that the thwarts were the struts that ran from side to side and connected to the gunnels. I showed them the yoke, which is like a thwart, but is at the center of the canoe. I was showing off a bit, and they knew it. Because we were friends, they called me out on it and had a good laugh. We loaded our food and camping equipment and put in near Hayward, Wisconsin. I took my place in the stern of the brown fiberglass canoe, and with Jimmer in the front, paddled out into the gently moving river. Within an hour, we knew we'd forgotten something. It was late July, and the sun was high in the sky, and we'd forgotten to put sunscreen on. We found a place to stop and slather the 50 FPS lotion on our shoulders, legs, and face, carefully not to get in our eyes. Jimmer, whose skin was dark to begin with, covered himself with the lotion until he was as white as we were. None of us had gotten burnt yet, but the salve felt cool and soothing in our skin as we resumed our trip downriver. Ross and Brian were using the silver aluminum canoe. It was a little older than the brown boat Jimmer and I were in, but it was still in terrific condition. Brian's dad bought it a few years earlier for 30 bucks, and we'd taken it out on the Fox River a few times. The Fox is a much bigger river with stronger currents flowing into Green Bay, so we learned to be careful. The Namagagan was much gentler, and it was straddled on both sides by old-growth forests. Mighty oak and elm trees created a canopy on each side and kept the sun from becoming overwhelming. Sometimes I'd lean back, my sunglasses shielding my eyes, and watch the light shine through the leaves in sudden bursts that reminded me of a Japanese movie I saw, Kurosawa's Rashomon. He pointed the camera right at the sun and walked through the woods, getting the same effect on film that I was getting for real. It made me wonder if he ever floated down a river somewhere in Japan. The shade felt nice, but the sun felt even better. I love summer. I'll take the warmth anytime. I've shoveled enough snow in winter that I can enjoy the sun all summer long, and I do. We took it easy our first day. We only went about five miles. There was a park on the river with a boat launch and room for us to set up our tents. There was even electricity, though none of us needed it. We set out with no electronics at all. No cell phones, no iPods, no radio, not even a CD player. We were definitely cut off from the world, and we would need to pay attention to the sky and the weather. It was just the way we wanted it. Ross's family lived and worked a farm, so understanding weather and working hard were nothing new to him. Taking a week off from seeding, planting, and baling hay to go canoeing was a restful vacation for him. Jim's grandfather, the one who first called him Jimmer, lived and died as a sharecropper, but he lived long enough to see his son become a college English professor. Jim's dad was the one who taught me to appreciate Shakespeare. Jimmer was an athlete. He played football and basketball, but he was built like a runner. I laughed when I thought that canoeing would build up his arms and imagine him looking like Popeye. Brian was my best friend of the group. 
despite the fact that he was a winter sportsman. We liked a lot of the same movies and read the same books. We also took our youth group's Bible studies a bit more seriously than everyone else. It was better at sports than I was, but in a canoe, we were on a level playing field with no competition, and we were having fun. We all rested well that night and got started early the next morning. We remembered to put on the sunscreen before we set out, and we sprayed ourselves with deep woods insect repellent. The second day on the river was delightful. The current was strong, but not overwhelming in any way. Our deep strokes with our paddles pushed us forward with graceful ease, moving us downstream at a comfortable speed, further away from the cities, our jobs, even our families. We weren't running away from any of that. We were just running towards the next chapter in our lives. I adjusted my Green Bay Packer cap and leaned back on the stern deck, letting the river pull us along. There was so little friction that it felt like we were flying, floating on air, not water. Jimmer set his paddle aside and pulled out his fishing pole, a short rod that fit comfortably in the boat without disrupting any of our aquatic feng shui. He cast his line, and the baited hook broke the surface with a pleasant thunk. He didn't catch anything, but I'd love that he tried. Steering a canoe is a beautiful act of aquatic ballet. The person in the back of the boat is responsible for keeping it moving straight. It's done with what's called a J-stroke, a deep, strong stroke that continues with a sharp twist of the wrist turning the paddle to a rudder for a moment. The twist compensates for the stroke that pushes the canoe to the right by turning it slightly left, essentially straightening everything out. If you do a J-stroke correctly, it creates a mini whirlpool at the end, slightly behind you. There's something oddly soothing when you see it, knowing that you did it right. I suppose if the whirlpool were as big as the whole canoe... It would be different. There were a couple of spots on the river that day that turned into rapids. Nothing serious. I mean, we were never in any danger. But if we didn't steer through them correctly, the canoe would turn sideways and get hung up on a rock that stuck out of the surface of the water. If that happens, you need to move pretty quickly or the boat can get filled with water. Getting your feet wet isn't a problem. Soaking your whole wardrobe isn't as cool, and eating soggy bread isn't my idea of fun. So, I steered myself carefully through those areas. In my memory, I did a better job than I did on that day. Still, we got through it fine, and I enjoyed the relaxed but quicker flow of the river that followed. After about seven hours, we stopped for the day. There was a small park where we could camp on a bend in the river, accessible only by water. I wondered who came to empty the trash cans and apply a coat of fresh paint to the green picnic tables each year. It was chipped in so many spots that you could see several layers of the paint underneath. That table was probably 50 pounds heavier than when it was first built. 
I sat on a large rock at the bank of the river and looked out at the beauty of creation. There was so much variety, so many different kinds of trees and wildlife. I'm gonna lay down my burden down by the riverside. The song popped into my head without any kind of inspiration. I started singing, but my traveling companions put the kibosh in that pretty quickly. Ezekiel 47 verse 9 says, And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Sometimes it felt like every bug in the world was swarming around us, but the river was still inviting. Verse 3 says, As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. The trees were so thick, we couldn't even see through the woods to any type of clearing. Trees, trees, in every direction. It's like one of those forests in a Tolkien or C.S. Lewis book. The Bible has so much to say about nature. I don't think anyone would confuse that campsite for the Garden of Eden, but it sure was beautiful. I can hardly imagine how perfect creation was for God to say it was very good. I think of that heavenly home he's been preparing, and I can hardly wait to see it. I was awakened at sunrise by the sound of an animal rustling around our camp. I slowly unzipped the door of my tent to take a look outside. If there was a bear wandering around, I didn't need to stop and say hello. But it was not a bear. I opened my tent door and saw, at ten feet away from me, a doe. The most beautiful deer I'd ever seen. Her eyes looked big as plates as she looked at me. She didn't seem frightened at all, even when I ducked back into my tent and came out again with a half-eaten pear. Slowly, very slowly, I moved closer to the creature, holding the pear out to her. And she didn't run. She smelled the pear, and probably wanted it as much as I wanted her to have it. In as perfect a moment as I'd ever experienced, she stepped closer to me and took the offered fruit. Our eyes met. I could swear I heard a voice say, Thank you. She dropped the fruit from her mouth, and it landed on the leaf-covered ground with a thud. I stayed perfectly still so as not to alarm her. She looked at me with those gorgeous eyes, and then bent down to pick up a pear. If I had reached out to pet her, I think she would have let me. I slowly backed up as she ate the sweet fruit, giving her the room she needed to stay comfortable. Then, she heard something in the distance and bounded away through the brush. In seconds, she was out of sight. It was a moment I'll never forget. In fact, I've never gone deer hunting again since that day. I have no objections to it. 
and venison sausage is one of the top five things on the planet, but I've never felt the desire to hunt deer again. An hour later, our campsite was filled with the smell of bacon and eggs cooking on a Coleman grill. Jimmer had a pot of what he called cowboy coffee brewing. It was nothing weird, just a very strong pot of java. We filled our bellies, which held less than they did when we set out. On the third morning after I saw the deer, we rounded a bend and found a group of people in white robes standing in a shallow part of the river. It was a strange sight, but we figured out quickly that it was a church group conducting a baptism. We locked gunnels about 50 feet away and watched as about a dozen people waded into the water and took this path of obedience. And I lay down my burden down by the riverside. I couldn't help but be reminded of the Lord Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John. A dove descended on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I knew I wasn't going to see and hear that as I watched these people being baptized, but it sure would be a good endorsement. Even without the heavenly display, it sure was great to witness this. People were lowered into the water, and when they came out, they burst into tears of happiness. They made an outward display of their faith, and it was beautiful. We put in the next day at a spot where Fran had left Ross's suburban and the trailer. None of us were happy that the river portion of our trip had ended and all that was left was a long drive home. We were exhausted as we loaded up the canoes, threw our belongings in the truck, and headed for home. I leaned my head against a window in the back seat and dreamed about the next canoe trip I would take with my friends, and I thanked God for the blessing of the week we'd finished. Life sent each of us in different directions, but we all stay in touch. Brian is a pastor. Jimmer is a high school trigonometry teacher. And Ross recently sold a family farm. And I get by by telling stories. This is one I've never told before. But I think about it every time I have trouble nodding off. It's not an exciting story. But it's a beautiful memory. And when I close my eyes and fill my imagination with pictures of the river... I find peace that settles deep in my heart. I'm 18 again, surrounded by the glory of creation, and I'm floating in my brown fiberglass canoe as I float with my best friends through the forest of western Wisconsin. Oh Lord, I thank you for the gift of blessed memories. I thank you that you've given me a vision of rest that I can use and share with my friends. I thank you for the creation that you've blessed us with, and I look forward to the glory of being in your presence. Heavenly Father, be with my friend here. Give them a gentle and peaceful slumber, and reveal yourself to them anew when they wake up. I pray 
that they will allow you to live through them. And the world will see that they love you. We pray these things in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Listen again as we explore God's creation and enjoy His presence during our river journey. Life happens, doesn't it? Some days seem like you're trying to stuff 10 pounds of sand in a 5-pound bag, and one day spills over into the next. I think we all feel that sometimes. I know I do. And when I do, I return to the river. Let me tell you about it. First, make sure you're comfortable and ready to fall asleep. I promise, I won't be upset if you do. I started canoeing at a camp in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, when I was about 10 years old. Even though it can be hard work, I fell in love with it right away. Every summer, I would return and take the canoe class. Eventually, I became a Red Cross certified canoe instructor and took over some of the teaching for the program, all before I could drive a car. While I was still in high school, my church's youth group took a week-long canoe trip on the Nebuchadnezzar River in western Wisconsin. Now, I'd been on day trips before, but this was something completely different. We packed our sleeping gear, our clothes, and our food, and about 26 of us set out to enjoy nature. I can't speak for everyone, but that week was life-changing for me. It showed me how much I love the beauty of God's creation, and it taught me how hard work could result in something wonderful. In my case, I built up some muscle. Still, as good as that trip was, it was the trip that I took a couple of years later with three of my closest friends that I'll never forget, and the one I come back to when I need to calm down my spirit. Brian, Ross, and Jim who we always called Jimmer, borrowed a couple of canoes, rented a trailer, and drove back out to Nebuchadnezzar for a six-day adventure before we all went off to different colleges. Because I had taught canoe classes earlier, it was my job to run them through the basics. I taught them about the different parts of the canoe and some common terms, bow and stern, starboard and port. I told them that the thwarts were the struts that ran from side to side and connected to the gunwales. I showed them the yoke, which is like a thwart, but is at the center of the canoe. I was showing off a bit, and they knew it. Because we were friends, they called me out on it and had a good laugh. We loaded our food and camping equipment and put in near Hayward, Wisconsin. I took my place in the stern of the brown fiberglass canoe and with Jimmer in the front, paddled out into the gently moving river. Within an hour, we knew we'd forgotten something. It was late July, and the sun was high in the sky, and we'd forgotten to put sunscreen on. We found a place to stop and slather the 50 FPS lotion on our shoulders, legs, and face, carefully not to get in our eyes. Jimmer, whose skin was dark to begin with, 
covered himself with the lotion until he was as white as we were. None of us had gotten burnt yet, but the salve felt cool and soothing in our skin as we resumed our trip downriver. Ross and Brian were using the silver aluminum canoe. It was a little older than the brown boat Jimmer and I were in, but it was still in terrific condition. Brian's dad bought it a few years earlier for 30 bucks, and we'd taken it out on the Fox River a few times. The Fox is a much bigger river with stronger currents flowing into Green Bay, so we learned to be careful. The Namagagan was much gentler, and it was straddled on both sides by old-growth forests. Mighty oak and elm trees created a canopy on each side and kept the sun from becoming overwhelming. Sometimes I'd lean back, my sunglasses shielding my eyes, and watch the light shine through the leaves in sudden bursts that reminded me of a Japanese movie I saw, Kurosawa's Rashomon. He pointed the camera right at the sun and walked through the woods, getting the same effect on film that I was getting for real. It made me wonder if he ever floated down a river somewhere in Japan. The shade felt nice, but the sun felt even better. I love summer. I'll take the warmth anytime. I've shoveled enough snow in winter that I can enjoy the sun all summer long, and I do. We took it easy our first day. We only went about five miles. There was a park on the river with a boat launch and room for us to set up our tents. There was even electricity, though none of us needed it. We set out with no electronics at all. No cell phones, no iPods, no radio, not even a CD player. We were definitely cut off from the world, and we would need to pay attention to the sky and the weather. It was just the way we wanted it. Ross's family lived and worked a farm, so understanding weather and working hard were nothing new to him. Taking a week off from seeding, planting, and baling hay to go canoeing was a restful vacation for him. Jim's grandfather, the one who first called him Jimmer, lived and died as a sharecropper, but he lived long enough to see his son become a college English professor. Jim's dad was the one who taught me to appreciate Shakespeare. Jimmer was an athlete. He played football and basketball, but he was built like a runner. I laughed when I thought that canoeing would build up his arms and imagine him looking like Popeye. Brian was my best friend of the group, despite the fact that he was a winter sportsman. We liked a lot of the same movies and read the same books. We also took our youth group's Bible studies a bit more seriously than everyone else. It was better at sports than I was. But in a canoe, we were on a level playing field with no competition. And we were having fun. We all rested well that night and got started early the next morning. We remembered to put on the sunscreen before we set out, and we sprayed ourselves with deep woods insect repellent. The second day on the river was delightful. The current was strong, but not overwhelming in any way. Our deep strokes with our paddles pushed us forward with graceful ease, moving us downstream at a comfortable speed, further away from the cities, our jobs, even our families. 
We weren't running away from any of that. We were just running towards the next chapter in our lives. I adjusted my Green Bay Packer cap and leaned back on the stern deck, letting the river pull us along. There was so little friction that it felt like we were flying, floating on air, not water. Jimmer set his paddle aside and pulled out his fishing pole, a short rod that fit comfortably in the boat without disrupting any of our aquatic feng shui. He cast his line and the baited hook broke the surface with a pleasant thunk. He didn't catch anything, but I'd love that he tried. Steering a canoe is a beautiful act of aquatic ballet. The person in the back of the boat is responsible for keeping it moving straight. It's done with what's called a J-stroke, a deep, strong stroke that continues with a sharp twist of the wrist, turning the paddle to a rudder for a moment. The twist compensates for the stroke that pushes the canoe to the right by turning it slightly left, essentially straightening everything out. If you do a J-stroke correctly, it creates a mini whirlpool at the end, slightly behind you. There's something oddly soothing when you see it, knowing that you did it right. I suppose if the whirlpool were as big as the whole canoe, it would be different. There were a couple of spots on the river that day that turned into rapids. Nothing serious. I mean, we were never in any danger. But if we didn't steer through them correctly, the canoe would turn sideways and get hung up on a rock that stuck out of the surface of the water. If that happens, you need to move pretty quickly or the boat can get filled with water. Getting your feet wet isn't a problem. Soaking your whole wardrobe isn't as cool. And eating soggy bread isn't my idea of fun. So, I steered myself carefully through those areas. In my memory, I did a better job than I did on that day. Still, we got through it fine, and I enjoyed the relaxed but quicker flow of the river that followed. After about seven hours, we stopped for the day. There was a small park where we could camp on a bend in the river, accessible only by water. I wondered who came to empty the trash cans and apply a coat of fresh paint to the green picnic tables each year. It was chipped in so many spots that you could see several layers of the paint underneath. That table was probably 50 pounds heavier than when it was first built. I sat on a large rock at the bank of the river and looked out at the beauty of creation. There was so much variety. So many different kinds of trees and wildlife. Gonna lay down my burden down by the riverside. The song popped into my head without any kind of inspiration. I started singing, but my traveling companions put the kibosh in that pretty quickly. Ezekiel 47 verse 9 says, And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Sometimes it felt like every bug in the world was swarming around us, but the river was still inviting. 
Verse 3 says, As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. The trees were so thick, we couldn't even see through the woods to any type of clearing. Trees, trees, in every direction. It's like one of those forests in a Tolkien or C.S. Lewis book. The Bible has so much to say about nature. I don't think anyone would confuse that campsite for the Garden of Eden, but it sure was beautiful. I can hardly imagine how perfect creation was for God to say it was very good. I think of that heavenly home He's been preparing, and I can hardly wait to see it. I was awakened at sunrise by the sound of an animal rustling around their camp. I slowly unzipped the door of my tent to take a look outside. If there was a bear wandering around, I didn't need to stop and say hello. But it was not a bear. I opened my tent door and saw, at ten feet away from me, a doe, the most beautiful deer I'd ever seen. Her eyes looked big as plates as she looked at me. She didn't seem frightened at all, even when I ducked back into my tent and came out again with a half-eaten pear. Slowly, very slowly, I moved closer to the creature, holding the pear out to her. And she didn't run. She smelled the pear and probably wanted it as much as I wanted her to have it. In as perfect a moment as I'd ever experienced, she stepped closer to me and took the offered fruit. Our eyes met. I could swear I heard her voice say, Thank you. She dropped the fruit from her mouth and it landed on the leaf-covered ground with a thud. I stayed perfectly still so as not to alarm her. She looked at me with those gorgeous eyes and then bent down to pick up a pear. If I had reached out to pet her, I think she would have let me. I slowly backed up as she ate the sweet fruit, giving her the room she needed to stay comfortable. Then she heard something in the distance and bounded away through the brush. In seconds, she was out of sight. It was a moment I'll never forget. In fact, I've never gone deer hunting again since that day. I have no objections to it, and venison sausage is one of the top five things on the planet, but I've never felt the desire to hunt deer again. An hour later, our campsite was filled with the smell of bacon and eggs cooking on our Coleman grill. Jimmer had a pot of what he called cowboy coffee brewing. It was nothing weird, just a very strong pot of java. We filled our bellies, which held less than they did when we set out. On the third morning after I saw the deer, we rounded a bend and found a group of people in white robes standing in a shallow part of the river. It was a strange sight, but we figured out quickly that it was a church group conducting a baptism. We locked gunnels about 50 feet away and watched as about a dozen people waded into the water and took this path of obedience. And I lay down my burden down by the riverside. 
I couldn't help but be reminded of the Lord Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John. A dove descended on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I knew I wasn't going to see and hear that as I watched these people being baptized, but it sure would be a good endorsement. Even without the heavenly display, it sure was great to witness this. People were lowered into the water, and when they came out, they burst into tears of happiness. They made an outward display of their faith, and it was beautiful. We put in the next day at a spot where Fran had left Ross's suburban and the trailer. None of us were happy that the river portion of our trip had ended, and all that was left was a long drive home. We were exhausted as we loaded up the canoes, threw our belongings in the truck, and headed for home. I leaned my head against a window in the back seat and dreamed about the next canoe trip I would take with my friends and I thanked God for the blessing of the week we finished. Life sent each of us in different directions, but we all stay in touch. Brian is a pastor, Jimmer is a high school trigonometry teacher, and Ross recently sold a family farm, and I get by by telling stories. This is one I'd never told before, but I think about it every time. I have trouble nodding off. It's not an exciting story, but it's a beautiful memory. And when I close my eyes and fill my imagination with pictures of the river, I find peace that settles deep in my heart. I'm 18 again, surrounded by the glory of creation, and I'm floating in my brown fiberglass canoe as I float with my best friends through the forest of western Wisconsin. Oh Lord, I thank you for the gift of blessed memories. I thank you that you've given me a vision of rest that I can use and share with my friends. I thank you for the creation that you've blessed us with, and I look forward to the glory of being in your presence. Heavenly Father, be with my friend here. Give them a gentle and peaceful slumber and reveal yourself to them anew when they wake up. I pray that they will allow you to live through them, and the world will see that they love you. We pray these things in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Good night, my friend, and I hope you've enjoyed your time on the river.